Welcome to the Emerging Minds podcast. Hello and welcome to this Emerging Minds podcast. I'm Dan Moss. For the past five years, Emerging Minds has been delivering podcasts about the mental health of Australia's infants and children. These have generally featured practitioners, researchers or parents with lived experience of adversity. And they've been generally about effective prevention and early intervention strategies with infants and children. But from November, our audience, you, will have the choice of two podcast series from Emerging Minds. One of these series will feature practitioners and families and will be aimed primarily at helping families to support the environments which support good mental health for infants and children. And today I'm really fortunate to be speaking with three of the staff from our families and education team who will be providing you with this extra podcast series. So welcome Nadia Rossi, Alicia Ramford and Ben Rogers to today's podcast. Thanks for having us. It's a privilege for me to be able to talk to you because I've seen all of the work that's gone in over the last 12 months really to get us to the stage where we're able to launch this. So it's very exciting. And Ben, I might start with you as the manager of this service. Can you tell me a little bit about why it is that Emerging Minds uh, decided to begin uh, the Families Program and, and what our listeners can expect? Yeah, thanks, Dan. You know, we started about 12 months ago, but this thinking's happened well before that. And I think uh, looking at the current, I guess, pressure on the service systems at the moment and the increased rise in child mental health difficulties, um, as well as the general kind of lower levels of child mental health literacy across the general population, we've realised quite quickly that it's um, important to focus on building and strengthening parents' capacities. So we've been working as a team really closely with child and family partners across the country to map out ways in which we can understand what are those key areas that families want to know and and can learn more about children's mental health and also to support their knowledge and confidence in accessing services around them. Yeah, great. And um, Alicia, welcome. I know that you've been doing a lot of work with child and family partners at Emerging Minds who have really been kind of instrumental in scoping the content. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been hearing about from parents? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's been an amazing process and one that's been a privilege to be a part of as we have engaged with so many child and family partners across a variety of topics and things that they felt were really important to them. So, One of the main things was that they were really looking for resources that had that knowledgeable best friend tone, a voice that could talk to them in a way that they understood yet came with that evidenced-informed practice, but something that they could relate to. And so we've really tried to put that into all of our content and make sure that families can read it and really feel supported and learn from it so that moving forward they've got a better understanding of what their family might be going through. Yeah, so in keeping with that knowledgeable best friend tone, I understand that you've got some practitioners within the first few of your podcasts who will be speaking directly to families, providing some kind of understandings and knowledge which might support their uh, parenting. Yeah, that, that's right. And that's been a big part of it too, is making sure that we've got that practitioner voice that talks to them about experiences that they're going through, such as anxiety, emotional regulation, really things that can help them and provide them with some practical strategies on the home front so that they can um, activate something right now if they're struggling. 
Yeah, thanks, Alicia. And Nadia, I know that you've worked at Emerging Minds for quite a while now, but this is a new role for you. So tell me a little bit about what you've been learning from uh, families around the country as you start to join with them and start to plan some, some podcasts with them. My work with a family's team has really been, I think, learning from having different voices come through, listening to what our forum has to say. So we work with what we call the Emerging Minds Family Forum, and that's 10 child and family partners uh, of varying lived experience, and they really help inform our work. We meet with them every few months, and they have children themselves. They're of varying ages, so we have younger people in the group as well, and they've really helped us kind of guide us with our content and some of them will review our content some of them are even on our podcast as well so you hear directly from them um, talking about you know tips on how to discuss your mental health and your mental illness with your children and so we have a varying group of people informing us that we really make the work with and for I think that's really important giving a voice to our families as well and having them as part of the process because you know there's no point in just putting work out there that we haven't had reviewed or haven't had, you know, their voice involved in because we are making it for them. And yeah, I think that's really important for us as a team. Yeah, that's wonderful. Very exciting. Thanks, Nadia. And Ben, as well as podcasts as part of the family's suite of content, there'll be other sources of material that will be produced on the Emerging Minds website for parents and families. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how that came to be? Yeah, I think, you know, hearing Nadia talk about the family forum, you know, we've learned a lot about, I guess, some some key components, some, I guess, some underpinnings of our work that will really support families to build their knowledge, confidence and capacities. Um, we're developing content through, you know, ages zero through to 24, really, if we think about young people and young adults. So, with that in mind, we've had to really think through some, I guess, some theoretical concepts that underpin our work to start with, one of those being a developmental perspective. So we've got perinatal resources that will be focused online. One of the other key things to mention is thinking about how do we build self-determination in families? And, you know, there's some key components that we're looking at. And one of the, you know, thinking about that theory in itself is you know, about autonomy. So there'll be information that we can share, whether it's a podcast, an animation, um, an online resource. Also thinking about that competence and skills that a family might learn. It might be a small practical strategy or might be something quite big that they can reflect on. The other thing that was it was almost a light bulb in our family forum recently was looking at that third kind of tier of self-determination was relatedness. And it didn't quite click home until I heard one of our family forum members talking about, you know, I really talked about I really wanting to see quotes. I want to see other people's lived experiences because I connect and relate to that. And, you know, that's really immersed and blended into all of our resources as well. Probably the other thing to mention is, um, and we could talk about family resilience a little bit later maybe, but a key component is this idea of adult capabilities. So thinking about and stepping into the shoes of a family member, which we've been able to do through our forum and other consultation with lived experience and living experience of parents, um, was a family that's going through high levels of stress, you know, managing the daily life to, to function, whether that's with stable housing or stable kind of stability around them. And they're going to be accessing information at different points. So how do we create an online environment that allows them to access that information? So, you know, the knowledgeable you know, tone and best friends important, but also you know, really clear key messages that we've been able to kind of blend through our resources, which, you know, we can unpack in this podcast today. But yeah, there's been lots of thinking that's probably 
massively underpin this, but really our goal is about how do we strengthen the capacity of parents and families to support children's mental health. Yeah, thanks, Ben. And Alicia, so much of what you talked about today is is really aimed at uh, families and parents, particularly as they support their children's positive um, mental health. But is there something in this for practitioners? I mean, I know that you've done a lot of work directly with practitioners and we have obviously lots of listeners who are are practitioners. Is there something in that for them to be listening to the podcasts or other content that you produce, whether that be self-directed learning for families or whether that be some of the key messages that you deliver? Yeah, thanks, Dan. That's a really great question. And one of the things that's been really important for us is that we can help support practitioners to support families who are perhaps experiencing difficulties and with a focus on infant and child mental health. And one of the things that we've done is we've got this suite of online content that practitioners can easily print off for families who are experiencing difficulties. They they might be seeing perhaps a new mum that's struggling Um, to manage with a new baby or perhaps a patient who's experiencing some anxiety, but they recognise that they have other children and they may need some information on how to manage daily life and their functioning with their children as well. So we've got content that they can print off and deliver to families or can guide families to to help support them, support their families. Yeah, and there's just some power in the fact that this content is being delivered um, it's so collaboratively with that family forum. Is, is there something in that for all of us to be really conscious of? Yeah, that's right. Look, it is. Like Ben mentioned, there's testimonials. Um, all of our content has been reviewed by child and family partners with lived or living experience. So their voices are coming through with that. This is information that they, looking back, wish that they had been given or wish that had been said to them at, a, at one point in another, one time or another. And so it's really great to be able to provide that to practitioners to give to families. Yeah, great. Thanks. And Nadia, just thinking specifically about the podcasts for a minute, is there a benefit in um, you know both practitioners and families listening to these podcasts because you know they are being, I suppose, developed in conjunction with people with lived experience? Absolutely, and I think that's it. You know, they are developed in collaboration and conjunction with people with lived experience, so they're telling their story and where they're using their voice and their experience to. Um, help inform and I guess help support other families and even practitioners hearing directly from someone with lived experience with a mental illness who has children who's going through difficulties explaining their mental illness to their children I think you hear that directly from someone who's lived it and is living through it I think for a practitioner that's just invaluable knowledge to actually have real world examples of of someone you know even a parent that has a child with a neurodiversity what challenges they go through or you know what celebrations they can go through as as well and how a practitioner can learn from that it's not just textbook stuff it's not just people that come into your office you know it's real world stories yeah and um nadia annalise have you got some examples of some podcasts coming up that we could really look forward to absolutely we speak to an incredible mum who is a third generation trauma and neglect and she reflects on how she learned to parent and that even if you weren't parented uh, well yourself you can still learn the skills to be a wonderful uh, mother and caregiver and she's done exactly that and it's a quite an inspiring story to hear from her 
Um, we also have a mental health nurse that we talk to about bonding with your child within the first 12 months. And so that's a really great podcast where, you know, you even get some practical tips that a parent can do with their child in that time period. Um, we talk about the shoulds of parenting and comparisonitis, as we refer to it, as, you know, comparing yourself as a parent to another parent, how social media can affect you and coping strategies and ways to get through that, that period of time. Another great podcast is we talk to a dad who experienced fairly severe mental health difficulties and he talks really eloquently on how he explained to his kids and when he chose to explain to his kids what he was going through and how he related to them and they could relate to him and he's got some really fantastic strategies that he implemented with his family to make sure that they understood what he was going through and could be a part of his recovery. Great. Thanks, Alicia. So, Ben, um, so much of what I'm hearing about in in terms of uh, what's being aimed at at families and practitioners for that matter is the ability for families to be able to be quite self-directed in the strategies that they use So this content can be adapted, I'm imagining, whether that parent is involved in the service system or not. Absolutely, Dan. We've been spending a lot of time over the last 12 months really breaking down, I guess, the key components of what it looks like for a parent to be supporting a child with their mental health and their family. And, you know, with that, there's been a few key other initiatives that have come through. So obviously the National Mental Health Um, child mental health strategy was released late last year which we've drawn on you know a key part of that is looking at more of a functional lens of children's mental health and you know taking that continuum lens which is embedded into the way that we're thinking about families and parenting you've heard Nadia and Alicia talk about the role of parenting and what that means when you know different adversities and stresses um, impact on their daily life the other key component is just helping families understand what their role is in in the prevention of children's mental health. But obviously a key component of our work being linked closely with the workforce is about as a family identifies with certain difficulties. And that's a big challenge that we've heard a lot about, you know, this idea of families not being quite sure whether it's a developmental difficulty or whether this is something they should be concerned about. And we really want to help families with that early identification of difficulties, have a go at trying some things themselves. But if they needing support, then, you know, being able to access and navigate those services that are around them. And that's where we'll work really closely, um, you know, with your team, Dan, and um, to develop resources that wrap around the, the practitioners, those that are listening in today. Yeah, and Ben, tell me a little bit about, because these ideas haven't just fallen from the sky, have they? They've mm-hmm. been around at, at Emerging Minds for a while, but also um, they're very personal values for you. Um, and I know that you've come with experience as an occupational therapist, you know, working with families. Um, what did that experience teach you about the kinds of messages that you're wanting to provide for families who are doing their best for their child's mental health? Yeah, as you mentioned, I'm an occupational therapist who's worked in the child and family services. And one of the things I learned a lot in that clinical career was children, really, if you step into their shoes, they help you to kind of identify what their needs are. You know, they've got really great and important insights into what supports them and and particularly the parents as well and the family that wrap around them and the knowledge that sits within the family context 
Um, it's really important to bring that out. And probably a, a huge shift for me was becoming a dad as well. You know, I think that was a key moment in time where I, I began to move away from my textbook understanding and to really, you know, this experiential understanding. And I still remember some key points in that journey where, you know, I was able to experience, you know, emotion, grief at times, you know, I'd lost my dad. And um, I remember holding my son sitting on the, the bouncy ball, trying to get him asleep and thinking about emotional regulation, which I talk about in the podcast series but that was a moment in time where I, I noticed that emotion kind of bursting through me and as a practitioner I'd sat with parents who'd gone through grief but when you experience that yourself I think it really does does shape you in a different way. Yeah that's a really insightful answer and I think tells us a lot about that the key messages have been um, delivered and developed over the past 12 months. Um, and Alicia, you actually come to this work with quite significant experience yourself. And as part of that experience, I understand that you developed a website for uh, families involved in mining um, to be able to care for the specific needs of their children within those those communities. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm fascinated to hear. Yeah, of course. So um, I've been in health promotion and advocacy for close to 15 years now and I'm part of a mining family so we had moved and relocated um, we'd spent time overseas we've lived in remote mining communities and part of that is coming with all the ups and downs of being a new mum myself I mean my children are now 17 and 18 now but when we first lived in an outback mining community they you know they were born in in Cobar in outback New South Wales and from there we moved to my husband doing fly and fly out and there were certainly uh, challenges as a young family with having him go away for extended periods of time and you know we the wheels fell off my own family and when I went looking for resources there was nothing available so yeah I had the privilege of helping to create Mining Family Matters which really has helped mining families all over Australia with fly and fly out and the ins and outs of being a member of a family with that and I think looking really at mental health and well-being for the resources sector and what that taught me was that families really want to be spoken to at their level and they want information that they can relate to and that is relevant to their needs at the time. Yeah, because I imagine it's it's been a real challenge finding that tone for your content and, and the podcast in terms of that knowledgeable best friend, but also being curious about what families already know and what they already do for their children. That's right. And recognising that families are the experts in them and their children and how they're feeling. And so how can we support them to understand, like Ben talked about, what is developmental and then when do they actually need to think that they might need to go and access a practitioner? And so we really want to support families in feeling confident to access a practitioner when when it's required. And to do that, we've done a variety of things. All of our resources point towards accessing further support and who that might be. And, you know, obviously for Australians, the general practitioner is such a pivotal part in a family's life. Um, and we also look at other practitioners that people might not think about as needing to go and visit in terms of um, mental health and well-being. And we have a great suite of practitioner videos where we highlight 
key practitioners. We're, we're launching with five and there's more to come. But it really is looking at what is a speech pathologist? Why might you want to go and visit one? What can you expect when you go and see a child and adolescent psychiatrist? What might you want to think about before you, you go for your first visit? And how can you make the most out of it? And we also get our practitioners to dis- dispel a few myths along the way. So it's something that can really support families to feel comfortable in accessing a practitioner. That's such a great resource, Alicia. I have to say that, yeah, I've been in this sector for many years, but I still get confused about what the different um, specialist (laughs) practitioners do. So, yeah, I think that will be um, much appreciated. And also they're made in the tone that the practitioner is talking to families so that a parent can sit with their child and watch the resources that we've made and created aren't just for parents. We say families, but we do mean that, you know, a young adult or a teenager or a kid can sit with their parent and watch the videos that we make and listen to the practitioner, you know, their school counsellor may have suggested or their GP may have suggested a speech pathologist. Well, the child may feel very nervous and apprehensive about what what is that and what does that mean. And so we've got these amazing practitioners who are just so great at making everyone feel relaxed and understand, you know, what Alicia said, you know, what can they expect, debunk some myths. Yeah, thanks, Nadia. I'm also interested in your background because I know that you've got a very creative um, background and that's kind of come in handy really in this role as we've sought to um, or as you've sought to find creative ways to get children to tell their stories and really to tell us as families or practitioners what they want from us. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess I've had an interesting journey to find myself at Emerging Minds and in the Emerging Minds families team. Um, I have an arts background, so I was a performer and um, worked in the arts for many years. And a lot of my work, I was fortunate enough to work with quite prominent theatre companies in the country and tour around the world and have some fantastic experiences creating work. And a lot of my work was in children's theatre and so creating work with children and for children. So it's not that dissimilar to the work that we make. You're always keeping your audience in mind. And so I got to experience that with children and making work with them and performing for them and seeing them in that total joy and fun and they are the most honest audience you will ever have in your life. (laughs) So it was good training. I had a bit of a like a light bulb moment again when I became a parent. And I think it was just this moment where I was in the kitchen with my mum and my first child was about 10 months old and I was really tired and I had all those, you know, non-sleeping from the new baby. And my mum and I had a disagreement and I just like burst into tears. And my daughter, for the first time ever, started like cooing at me, just making this completely different reaction towards me and it was something that I just just stopped us both dead in our tracks and was like wow she's just this tiny sponge Mm -hmm. absorbing and reacting more than just you know the joy and the and the fun and you know and the crying the usual crying but there's you know she's absorbing what's going on around in her in the world and I just stopped and thought I just started thinking about I'm not a practitioner I don't have that background so what can I do and it just I randomly a few months later I applied for a job here and then I ended up, you know, got in the projects side of work and, um, yeah, it's just been so great to then be able to be in a team where we have avenues to access that creative side where we've teamed up with Say Art, which is South Australian Youth Arts, and we were able to observe their creative process and from that 
Alan Grace, who was a writer at Say Arts, wrote three scripts and we helped to develop those scripts and the performers developed the scripts. Yeah, so we have behaviour as communication, so how behaviours and certain behaviours can communicate an emotion and try and um, communicate to someone else how you're feeling. You know, we worked with self-care as healthcare, how young people do self-care and it may be different ways than we, than we think, you know, and... Um, then we went with superheroes, which is how people um, who support us through difficult times and how we can support each other. So these resources are amazing because they've come from young people. I think their classes are five years old to 18 years old and they were able to generate that material and create that material. And then we were able to employ them as performers and give them their, you know, they had their first experience in a film set and kind of fed into the creative process the whole time. Thanks, Nadia. Yeah, really interesting background. Yeah, really appreciating hearing about the diverse backgrounds of the team and, yeah, how they've all helped develop these key messages. And speaking of the key messages, Ben, um, I know one of the things that you've been thinking about is that there's a diverse group of audience out there when we're thinking about families who might consume podcasts or other content, Um, some of them more middle-class working families, whereas other families are those who are, um, you know, facing real adversity, whether that be um, through intergenerational disadvantage or trauma or cultural biases or social isolation. So I know that there's been a lot of thinking going into how to capture all of those different families from different backgrounds. Can you talk a little bit about how you've planned to do that? We're fortunate to be able to sit behind uh, four years and longer with um, COPME before the National Workforce Centre of resources and key messages that help guide us, you know, messages that really hold the child's voice at the forefront of our work. And even just thinking about how we hold the family in mind as they connect together. I mentioned the the National Child Mental Health Strategy and the, the Mental Health Continuum before. And I think that's a really important way of framing up some of our work. So with this family lens that we're holding in mind with our resources, it's thinking about the family processes that happen, thinking at ways that we can create and support environments for families where they can talk to each other in open communication and and make meaning together of certain situations that they might be going through. And You know, really, and I talked about adult capability before in terms of how a family could access our resources, whether that's in a format of an animation or a podcast. I guess the other part of capability is helping families have confidence in how they can think about difficulties and challenges and have key components that sit within that. So you you heard about the podcast where um, you'll hear in the first series um, a dad talking about having conversations about his mental health difficulties with his kids. And that's a really cool component that we want to support in families is, you know, in order to build that family resilience, you you need to be talking to each other and creating environments, contexts that are safe to do that as well. Um, We spent a lot of time with the forum, but also there's been other reference groups groups that have guided our work as well. And Alicia, it might be good to reflect on the diversity and inclusion workshops that we've just finished. We had a fantastic um, scoping exercise where we met with members of the cold community, the LGBTQIA plus community members, as well as people living um, in poverty and disadvantage. And we were able to spend a lot of time talking to them about how their experiences differ and when they go to a resource, what makes them feel welcome and included and spoken to. And so we've been able to integrate so many of what they fed back to us. Yeah, great. 
Thank you, Alicia. And this interview has been such a privilege today. Really thank you for your professional, but also your personal answers um, have been really inspiring. So I want to finish off with the same question for each of you. And that really is finishing this sentence. Uh, we will know that the families project at Emerging Minds has worked when? When a parent has the confidence uh, and you know ability to be able to identify things that they can do to support children's mental health and to know when they can and how to access those services around them. And for me, it's probably um, when families really feel confident in working with their practitioners to really get the best outcome for their family. I think for me, it will be when a family sits down and looks at our content together. Right. So Nadia Rossi, Alicia Ramford and Ben Rogers from our Families in Education team here at Emerging Minds, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me today. And I must admit, um, talking to you, I can't wait to the uh, podcast series lands. I'm sure many of you also will be tuning in. Thank you all for your time and we'll speak to you next time. Thank you. Visit our website at www.emergingminds.com.au to access a range of resources to assist your practice. Brought to you by the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health, led by Emerging Minds. The National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.